Cameron DeFazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We have come to the eighth lesson of our fourth quarter, Present Truth in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one is simply titled, Choose Life. Choose Life. Pastor Howard, you put together the talking points for this week's lesson. And so you're going to give us an overview of that. Is yes, there anything did. housekeeping we need to talk about this week? Nothing that I can think of. Okay, then shall we just dive but right I, into the lesson? I, I would say I have noticed a decent bit of repetition in this quarterly. Mm. Uh, and so I feel a little awkward sometimes with the talking points. It's like, mm, we're going over this Didn't again. did we say that? We, yeah. And so I'm, I'm imagining some of our teachers are feeling the same thing. So we're trying mm. our best to hit from different angles. Of course, repetition deepens impression. It's not awful to yeah. cover something again. And you have new people in the class. But if you're feeling that as teachers, we've been feeling that a little bit. Um, but it is good material, and uh, we get a good lesson Still trying to take a fresh look at whatever's presented. I mean, to this week's lesson talks a lot about the power of choice, which we've seen touched on previously, and then you mentioned is coming up yeah. in other lessons. So, But it's an important point. So. That's right, and we're going to dive right into it. <laughs> we are indeed. So I tell you what, how about I start with a word of prayer, and yes. then you can walk us through our talking points. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to study your word together. Please now bless in this presentation and those listening to it, especially those teachers and Sabbath school members as they prepare for their local Sabbath school classes, help those to be successful, help them to be clear and powerful and and convicting, Lord, that our Sabbath schools can be more than just times where we review a lesson, but truly get to know Jesus better through a study of his word. So let that be our experience today, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I have to say, I was thinking about, just in general, it might be fun We've talked before about the idea of talking points being to come away with some key things from the lesson, Mm -hmm. because you can't cover everything in the lesson. And there are some lessons that have a point that you could take a whole Sabbath school class on. You could. And I've entertained the idea of doing a talking points with one point. This is our talking point. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, just to... Anyway... I didn't do that this week. We have three. I I thought you were like going to tell us. Here we (laughs) go. No, 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 no. We we have three talking points this week. Okay. Uh, The first talking point is Christianity is a reasonable faith. All right. We've drawn that from Sunday and Tuesday. Now, this whole lesson, this week's lesson, is derived primarily from Deuteronomy 30 and the idea of the blessings and the cursings and choose life, which is the title. And so I've noticed... Even in the lesson, it was hard to say. Sunday and Monday kind of covered this and Tuesday. So, for example, talking point number one, Christianity is a reasonable faith from Sunday and Tuesday. Mm. Number two, faithful obedience is not too hard. Amen. From (laughs) Tuesday and Thursday. So there's a little overlapping there. And then number three, God wants us to choose life from Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. Mm. So those are so it's the three really kind questions. of a swirly blend of these uh, common themes here. Yes, yeah, a swirly blend. You're right. And that's a technical theological term, yes. swirly blend. But uh, anyway, <laughs> number one, Christianity is a reasonable faith. What do we mean by that? What are okay, we so about? our lesson on Sunday dives into the idea of a. Well, it's kind of interesting. There was an, the story that opened the lesson was intriguing to me about a woman who, a young woman at twenty two years old who was diagnosed with a brain tumor and so decided to arrange to have her brain frozen so that whenever technology was developed 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years in the future, mm. then they take her frozen brain and reconstitute. And, of course, the lesson was making a little light of that as, 
you know, that's my plan for eternal life. <laughs> it's like there's a better way to choose life. Okay. And this, this week's lesson is highlighting, um, uh, in fact, I have from the quarterly, why don't you read the last paragraphs that are on Sabbath afternoon's lesson? Sure. said, this week, as we continue in Deuteronomy, we will look at the choice of life and the opportunity given us to choose life, to choose it on the terms that God, the giver and sustainer of life, has graciously offered. Okay, so since we're talking about the concept of choice in general, that's where Sunday goes. We start with the tree of life, and it is, we've, some of these things have been mentioned before, but it's fascinating, you know, in the Garden of Eden, for God to have placed, you know, I've talked to people before who say, well, how do we even know we have choices? Like, how do we even know we're living life? How do we know this wasn't all pre-programmed? And we, you know, and I don't know if you ever got into the philosophy. I wonder if you ever ask him, like, here? how do we even know if I'm asking a question right <laughs> yes. now? Like, what, what are you doing? It, it, but it is. but what's, what's fascinating about the situation of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is that, that we could say that God gives freedom of choice, but if there was no record of it, mm. who's to say that Adam and Eve ever had? So that tree is, is a... Um, proves to us, it demonstrates to us that Adam and Eve had an option, like God creates Adam and Eve and says, hey, you have an option to do whatever you want, but you've got to live by this. Well, have you ever thought about this like, too? Like, you're going to live in the garden, you're going to do this, where's my choice? So there was an option to do something different, and it's a glaring option. Well, not only glaring, but it's central to their whole experience there. Yes. Like, it was the tree in the midst of the garden, it was everything, like their continuance in the garden was predicated on their making a good choice, right? Yes. So, God, in the very beginning of our experience as humanity, enshrined free moral agency as one of the key yes. characteristics of our race. And that's powerful. So I've gotten the outline, the tree of life exhibits the power of choice. And the lesson brings that up on Sunday. And then again, the idea of the blessings and cursings, which the bulk of this week's lesson is based on Deuteronomy chapter 30, 30 is God presenting options for choice. So very clearly, in fact, it's interesting, um, the quarterly brings up on Tuesday, paragraph three, the words for good and evil in Deuteronomy 30, 15 are the same Hebrew words used in Genesis for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we see the repetitive theme, that the good and, the, the, the good and evil, the presenting of blessings and cursings as the consequences of choices is building on the whole well, and that's interesting about that is like, like, you've come out of Egypt and you've been bad, but now I'm going to give you these two choices now. Mm -hmm. Well, those are the same two choices even before they were bad. Like, those are the original two choices that man exactly. had. So this is apart from sin. This has always been part of the uh, God's economy, his society, is I'm laying before you choices. And there's blessings if you obey, but there's going to be consequences if you don't curse. Well, the lesson also, lesson also goes into the idea of the fact that there are only two choices, which we're going to get to in a minute. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, it's it's fascinating in this context of choice that, that, that Christians would argue that there isn't a choice. The concept of predestination that, look, God already chose ahead of time. Some are going to be saved. Some are, some are going to be lost. It doesn't matter what you do. You really don't have a choice. God's already determined it. And the mind, there are so many mind-boggling things about that. Yes. But to me, the first thing that rises to the surface is if God, if the choice is totally up to him, and he chose to that some are going to be lost. What does that say about God? So, for example, the person, the Calvinist, who believes in predestination says, you know, we're all Christians and we believe in the same God. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> the God that I believe in would never choose 
when it's on him for any to be lost. In fact, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. That just so destroys the So why are they going to be perished right. if it's his will and his will accomplishes everything? Yeah. So, well, and we've talked about this before. Like, if you really start reverse engineering that that, that assertion yes. that, well, even my on the micro level, I didn't choose what I was going to wear today. I didn't choose. It was all in the predestined cards, if you will. It was all in the mind of God. And so really, all the good and all the bad... They're just, they're not my choices. Those are God's choices. And he's, right. and, and all of a sudden he's playing a game within himself where everything was fine. But then he's like, right. you know what? I'm, I'm bored. I want to have some good and some evil. And that evil is going to hurt. And it's going to hurt me. And it's going to, this whole Russian doll situation like of a, morality is, it's, it's insane. It reminds me of a sadistic kid picking the wings off flies or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like, I'm going to toy with this whole, yeah. and, and then why the whole facade of a, Deuteronomy 30, here, oh, here are the blessings and here are the curses if you choose this and if you choose this, but really you don't have a choice. Wink, wink. Yeah. Like, what is that about? Yeah. So, so either they're real choices or they're not. So very yeah. clearly the Bible supports this idea that, and so, the, of course, my talking point is Christianity is a reasonable faith. We choose it. It's not foisted upon us. We're given, God presents himself. He presents the options. He presents the outcomes. So it's fascinating about uh, Deuteronomy 30 is that God presents the options for humanity, as it were, along with their respective consequences. It's like you choose this, and you're going to go down this road. And the, and the and quarterly even brings that up that, you know, some people may argue, well, they're not all consequential. And sure, there are curses that there are things that maybe God impo- uh, uh, imposes a punishment. Sure. But in... Most of these things, I believe, in the in the curses, they're just, you go down this road, and this is where it's going to lead right. you. Right, you're not necessarily choosing for me to kill you, just you will die, is it, you know? Right, and so here the Lord presents these, these, this is, these are the options you can have, and you have to choose it. And so Christianity is not a faith that is coerced. It is an intelligent faith. It is a reasonable faith. You choose it. Mm. And God says... Uh, come in Isaiah chapter one, come yeah. let us reason. reason together. You know, the whole concept of God is always reasoning. Deuteronomy 30 is God reasoning with mm. his people. Um, and he to, appeals to the reason. Yes. Given the nature of the creation he's made. Like give, if you give people minds to think sentient, volitional beings who have free moral agency, so you can't make their choices for them. You have to talk them into it. You have to That's like, right. you have to win them. You have to, you know, they have to choose. Well, we've talked about this with prophecy before. Prophecy is presented in that light. It's like, well, yeah, prophecy is just because God's telling ahead of time. But you see when Jesus says, I've told you these things beforehand so that when they come to pass, you'll have a reason to believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just he predicts it, but he does it for a reason to give evidence to demonstrate for a the trustworthiness to of yeah, his decisions. Yeah, his- so anyway, talking point number one, Christianity is a reasonable faith. Um, Quarterly says on Tuesday's lesson, I referred to this, um, paragraph four, life, goodness, blessing, in contrast to what? Death, evil, and curses. In the end, though, one could justly argue, or one justly could argue, that God really offers them only the good, only life, only blessings, but if they turn away from him, these bad things will be the natural result because they no longer have his special protection. And I said, I think for the most part, it's true that the curses are just the consequences of those foolish choices. Hmm. So, And clearly there's so much more we could talk about this. We're not absolutely. getting into the whole, well, what does God kill? Does he do any? Yes, he does proactive things too, but the point is that 
all the outcomes of righteous decision-making or wicked decision-making are ours because he's presented those options That's to us. That's exactly right. And we have to reason through them. Yep. Christianity is reasonable faith. That leads us to talk point number two. Faithful obedience is not too hard. Now, it may be argued. It may be argued. It is argued. It is and argued, this is fascinating. Yeah. In fact, it's argued evidently in Moses' day because he addresses it. People saying, oh, it's just too hard to obey the Lord. And I hear it today among Christians. Like, oh, it's just too hard. We'll never really be able to fully obey the Lord. Mm. Let's just, it is what it is. And so it's fascinating. The lesson, you know, uh, uh, one of my, my bullet points here is that choice empowers obedience. And I want to take us to... Um, Tuesday's lesson, bottom of the page, in that little uh, shaded section, it asks this question. It asks us to read Deuteronomy 30.20. So let's look at that. Let's take a look. Uh, I'll go ahead and read it because okay. I have it here. Now, Deuteronomy 30.20 is in the middle of a sentence, and it says that you may love the Lord your God, comma, that you may obey his voice, comma, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So, that you may love the Lord your God, comma, that you may obey his voice, etc., etc. And you'll see what, where this is going. The question says, read that text. And then says, notice here the link between love and obedience. Mm. Good point. What must Israel do in order to be faithful to the Lord? Question mark. They must love the Lord. That's mm -hmm. the point that's being made. How do we apply the same principle today? Now, what I thought was fascinating is, as I mentioned, it's in the middle of a sentence. If you go to the verse just before that, it says, I call heaven and earth as witness to get today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord. In other words, what the Lord's saying here is, you've got to love the Lord to obey the Lord, but you've got to choose the Lord in order to love the Lord. So if you just break this text down, like I said, you choose the Lord, which will lead to a love for the Lord, which in turn will engender obedience to the Lord, and as a result, you will cling to him and have long life. Like, there's a, like an unbroken sequence of cause and effect here. Yes, well, we've talked about the, the inability of humanity to love the Lord, or to love anybody for that matter. Like, mm -hmm. we can't love any, any easier than we can obey God's law. And so, you know, the lesson is making a good point that we have to love the Lord in order to obey him properly. It, it's, it's but how do we love. develop that love for the Lord? But that love <laughs> starts with our choice. Mm. God doesn't force anything upon us. So, you know, faithful obedience or choice rather empowers obedience. Yeah. Now, also in Deuteronomy 30, we're in Deuteronomy 30. If you just look at, why don't you read verses 6 and then verse 8 and you'll see the same idea kind of conveyed here. Okay, I lost my place because I was looking up another text. Oh. But all right, Deuteronomy 30. Yes. Just a second. Make it a sword drill. No, no, I'm going to make it a sword <laughs> drill in the video. There it is. Chapter 30, verse what now? Verses 6 okay. and 8. 6 and 8 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Verse 8. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. Okay, and so, and it goes on in verse 10 to talk about obeying the Lord, you know, etc. So, what we see again is, in verse 6, God's going to circumcise your heart, mm -hmm. okay, so that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, that you may live, and you will again obey the commands. So, you see that sequence, mm -hmm. like our choice opens the way for the Lord to change our hearts and to help us to love divine things, and then... Obedience flows out of that heart of love. 
the text that I was running about looking at, it just really struck me because I had misunderstood this text. It's in Matthew. It's not in your notes, but yeah. it just hit me. Where Jesus says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he explains why in Matthew seven twenty one, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I had always kind of understood, like, you're just going to, um, you're going to invest in what you love. Yeah. But that's not what it says. No, it you're says gonna you're going to you invest in. You're going to love what you invest in. So you make the mm. choice to invest in something. That's exactly right. You choose to lay your treasure up, and you know what happens? Boy, where my treasure is, I get real interested in that thing. I really have an affection for it. I, I develop right. a love, and by, but it comes from that choice. Okay, so the, the the point there is that choice empowers obedience because our talking point is faithful obedience is not too hard. Mm-hmm. And that's what Thursday's lesson, the title of it is not too hard. And what Thursday's lesson does is it takes us to Deuteronomy 30. And Wednesday's it's fascinating. lesson is titled not too hard. I'm sorry, Wednesday, what is it? Tuesday's lesson. No, Wednesday's, Wednesday's lesson. Wednesday's lesson is titled Oh, well, not I need to hard. change that in our little handout here. There you then. go. Okay, not too hard for you. And it's basically building on Deuteronomy chapter 30, where mm-hmm. we are, but notice what it says in verse 11. For this commandment, Moses writes, this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend up and get it, etc. Verse 13, nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over and bring it to us. Verse 14, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Now, I need to, I'm going through this quickly because I'm looking at our time, and obviously in your class you have more time for this, but there are two passages that are related. This one is fascinating because it seems that the people in Moses' day are saying, man, it's too hard for us. And <laughs> so Moses is saying, just bigger than, yeah. What he's trying to say is, this, this is not unattainable to you. It's not so far, far up in heaven that you can't get it. It's not across the sea, but it's near in your heart and in your mouth. The law of God in the context. Mm-hmm is in your heart and in your mouth. Now, of course, we could do a little quick study and show that this is what the New Covenant does, is the Lord writes the law mm-hmm. in the heart and mind. But somebody could look at this, Cameron, and say, it's so legalistic. I mean, here's Moses saying, yeah, the, the, hey, commandment keeping isn't too hard for you. Just buckle down and do it. Yeah. Good thing the New Testament doesn't like do that again, <laughs> or we'd be in real big trouble, right? So the fascinating <laughs> thing is that when we come to Romans 10, and the lesson mm-hmm. highlights this, the Apostle Paul not only quotes from, but explains That's what really Moses cool. were say, was saying in this passage. He breaks that down point by point. Yeah. You, you want to read uh, uh, chapter 10, five. 5 through 10? Sure. It says, For Moses writes about uh, the righteousness which is of the law, quote, The man who does those things shall live by them. Mm-hmm. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, quote, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, quote, who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? Quote, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is just, a, this passage is incredible. I, I, I could spend the whole lesson on this passage, but I want you to notice what's happening. Verse 5 says, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. Your New Testament Christian is going to read that and say, yeah, yeah. Moses. But whatever they're uh, about to follow, Old that's Testament. bad. Ah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but righteous, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Yeah, that's New Testament. Oh, wait a minute. Who said it? 
who's he quoting from? Oh, the same Moses, yeah. right? And so Moses writes about this, but Moses also said, and notice how he words it, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. And then he quotes what we just read, and he comments on it. So he says, who will ascend into heaven? And then he says in parentheses, that is to bring Christ down. When Moses talked about it, it was talking about bringing the law down, i.e. making it attainable. So what the Apostle Paul does is, in fact, it'll be more succinct if I just read it in my notes here. In Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 14, Moses is telling the people that the righteousness of the law is not too hard for the people to attain. In Romans 10, 5 through 10, Paul explains that Moses was pointing the people to the righteousness of Christ. And that's Paul's point. He says the Mm -hmm. righteousness of faith speaks this way, and then he quotes what Moses wrote. Mm -hmm. And and so Paul explains that Moses was pointing the people to the righteousness of Christ. It is his righteousness that is expressed in the law, and it can become ours by faith. And Mm. that's what he means when he says in verse 10, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Well, it's the very righteousness that's in the law, but we can't get it out of the law. We have to get it from Christ. Mm. And so what's fascinating then, and we didn't read this, but in verse 11 it says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. This is a fascinating text. In other words, Mm -hmm. you're not going to come up short in the judgment. You're not going to come up short for, like, the law is so hard. How am I going to ever obey God? And what he's saying is, through the righteousness of Christ, once you, if you have the righteousness of Christ, you have righteousness. You can render faithful obedience, and you're not going to be put to shame before God. You're not going to mm-hmm. be put to shame in the judgment. We can go on about that. But um, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the whole First John idea of abide in him that you don't be ashamed yes. before him at his coming. That If you have that Christ living you, which Paul also calls our hope of glory, then that makes it not hard. You know, because right. Christ is living in me. And just to tie in between the righteousness of Christ and the law... Um, you want to read that statement from Christ's Optic Lessons, which we I think we had last week, but it bears Good reading. to come back, yeah. The law is the gospel embodied, and the gospel is the law unfolded. The law is the root, the gospel is the fragrant blossom and fruit which it bears. Mm, fascinating. So, the gospel is the law unfolded. The law mm-hmm. was unfolded in the life of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You see what it looks like in the life, with. You know, so you see the relation yeah, there. Yeah, it's not that the gospel was the law un. Uh, uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Uh, not denounced or like done away with. Right. It's not eliminated Abolished or, or, or something or like that, but it was actually lived out in that Absolutely. idea that's unfolded. Yeah. And you see a similar thought, testimonies to ministers, when Ellen White is writing about the message of justification by faith. And, and on page 91, she says, This message invited the people to receive the righteousness of Christ, which is made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. So the point there, talking point number two, faithful obedience is not too hard when we choose to obey God, when we choose to believe in the provision of Jesus Christ mm. and have exercised faith in him. His righteousness is imputed to us. His power is imparted to us. So and we it really hinges on harmonized that, right. with. It really hinges on that choice because when you choose that, one believes unto righteousness. That and that gives you access to Christ and His righteousness, which fills you with love and it empowers you to obey. And just boom, the whole train of blessing That's is exactly in the wake of right. that decision. That's exactly right. And so. Talking point three is a truism. God wants us to choose life. Well, I guess it's not if you're a pre, pre you well, believe in predestination. <laughs> it's like no, your choice doesn't matter. But for us, we believe that the yeah, Bible teaches you ever that God how wants often us to in choose. Scripture, God appeals to people. Mm. He doesn't say, "Well, here's the option anyway." He's like, "Come on, believe." You know, he, he's he's there's an urgency in his voice because he knows it's a, up to us to choose. That's right. And so this is taken from Sunday, Monday, and Thursday's lessons. 
Uh, there are only two options, life or death. The scripture, the uh, lesson brings up several passages. Uh, John 3.16, obviously believe, have everlasting life. Or perish. perish right. uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. life. One of my favorites, Proverbs 8.35 and 6. Could you look that up? Sure. Proverbs 8.35 and 36. Um, but the idea the lesson is bringing out is that there are not multiple choices here. Mm. There are two. You choose life. You choose death. You choose obedience. Or you choose... In fact, now I have that uh, listed in here. In fact, I'll bring that up in a minute. You have Isaiah that. 8. No, 30, no, no. Yeah. Proverbs. I'm sorry. Proverbs. I was, you got it. 35 to 36. Yes. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. So there's your two options. And the Lord, the, the Lord's speaking consequentially. Like, if you hate me, you love death. Mm. You can't, there's no life apart from me. And so we see the two options. And God obviously presents him before us and wants us to choose life. Mm. Uh, the quarterly says on Sunday, paragraph 5, thus right from the start, the Bible presents us with just one of two options. And it harkens back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eternal life which is what we were originally supposed to have, an eternal death, which in a sense is merely going back to the nothingness of which we first came. So you have these two options. And how do we, where do we end up? We choose who we're going to serve. Now, the lesson rolls this into the concept of worship. Mm -hmm. But again, worship is one of those things, the end time, the last days you come to the book of Revelation, your contest is between worship. It still comes down to choosing who you're going to serve and you choose Romans 6:16 who you're going to render obedience you're going to render obedience unto life mm -hmm. or sin unto death you still got your two choices there's not a third option well and what uh, fascinating cuz in this talking point it's not just the fact that there are two choices and responses mm -hmm. but the point is that God wants us to yes. choose life so he could be a god of neutrality and say i'm going to be fair i've given you conscience and here's one here's the other I'm not going to try to tip the balance anyway. I want you to do. But he's like, I'm not going to make your choice for you, but I'm going to tell you, I really, really want you. I'm going to plead with you. I'm going to urge. How many times do you see beseech, right. plead, urge, beg? What are the th three angels' messages? Yes, the whole point of the loud cry at the end is to, is to essence, herald this saying, truth. Choose life. Yes. And so we see that repetition through. Why don't you read that uh, uh, paragraph from Thursday's lesson? Sure. However different the context, the issue is the same. Will people worship the true God and have life, or will they succumb to the pressures, either overt or subtle, or both, to turn their allegiance away from him and face death? Ultimately, the answer lies within each individual heart. Okay, that's the last paragraph on Thursday. So, this really is present truth in Deuteronomy. We're looking at the final contest in Revelation, mm. and we're seeing that the issue is the same thing outlined here in Deuteronomy 30. <laughs> yeah. Here so the there's blessings not a... and curses, choose life or choose death. Right, so honestly, when we get down to the very last call to all humanity from God, it's the exact same thing he's been trying to communicate since literally Adam and Eve. Like, here's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He didn't, but he doesn't just say, like, you know, if you say the way you choose, I'm good with. Yeah. He's like, right. choose life. That's exactly After they it. sin, choose life. Yeah. I'm going to send Jesus. Why so you can will choose you die, life. O Israel? Yes. Choose, yeah. Yeah, and it's not the will that any should perish, right? He is. The beauty of it, he is, he's given us two equally available options, but he's really in but favor one of one better. of them. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, I'm with you on this. Let's go. Well, I've taken the summary statement, ironically, from Monday's lesson. 
Okay. It's the last uh, two paragraphs of Monday's lesson. It says, In the end, there is no middle ground for us human beings. Before the great controversy is completely over, sin, Satan, evil, disobedience, and rebellion will be eradicated. After that happens, each one of us individually will either have the life, the eternal life that God originally had planned for us all to have before the creation of the world, or face eternal death, that is, everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. The Bible doesn't appear to present any other options for us. Which fate will be ours? That answer ultimately rests with us. We have the choice before us, life or death. Mm. That's an incredibly straightforward, simple way to look at it, and it yes, is indeed. the truth. So we've got a lot of good fodder for discussion in Sabbath schools this week. Indeed. So let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a God who created us and created us with the power of choice and yet cares what those choices are because you want us to choose life. Lord, help that to be, to, to find a responding chord in our hearts, sinful though they may be. Send your Holy Spirit to help us respond to your invitation to life. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.